thank him for the blood of Calvary. Thank him for his shed blood, for the sacrifice. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen. Thank God that he sent Brother Hurt to us. God's going to do a miraculous work in this place tonight. Would you lift your hands and thank the Lord for sending us a man of God tonight to preach rhema words from God. Come on, lift your hands and worship God all over this house. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glory to you. Hallelujah, Lord, you're an amazing God. Come on, we praise him over the blood. We sung about the blood. How many of you know that there's power in the blood of Jesus? Amen. It is an honor to be here. Again, in the house of God, we're sitting back talking to the pastor and his wife and Brother Austin and his wife a little bit this evening about what God delivered me from. And it's very hard to talk about the blood of Jesus without thinking about what it's done for you. And I believe that God wants to save somebody in this house today. And I've come to tell you that even though we're here and we're believing God for great miracles, the greatest miracle you will ever see is God baptizing someone in the Holy Ghost. Amen. We thank the Lord for being here. We thank God for the wonderful hospitality that's been given to me and my family. And uh, just a wonderful spirit that we feel here. I want to go to the book of Mark. The book of Mark, chapter 11. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lift your hands towards heaven. Holy, holy, holy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just keep thanking him. Holy God. Thank you, Jesus.
bir gün dizsiydi. The scripture says the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. I've had people ask me the question, if God is God and he has all of this power and he is supposed to be who the Bible, the scripture says that he is. He has an ability to see things before they happen. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows the end from the beginning. If God is aware of all of these things, why does God allow bad things to happen to what we call good people? We think about the other night I was driving to church. In the past, matter of fact, not just last night, but the past few services. On top of when I came into town on Saturday to find out where this church was at. I took the same route each time and on Saturday night when I was on my way here, I looked to the left and I saw television cameras. Saw a police vehicle. Saw what looked to be a busted out window. I didn't think too much about it and I drove by it again this afternoon. I mean yesterday morning. And I noticed that I saw a police car with his lights off standing in front of the same building with windows busted out. I drove back by again last night and I saw the same thing. And I told my wife and I told my son, I said, something must have happened in that place Something bad must have happened. So nevertheless, this morning we woke up and we went downstairs to eat our breakfast in the hotel lobby. My son went down there. He got down there before we did. And I went on downstairs, and I believe at this time my wife might have been upstairs. I sat down and I began to eat and began to talk with my son and my father. My son said, Dad, he said there was a killing. The other, he said there was a shooting the other day. He said that building that we drove past, he said, I think that building is the very one where a child was shot. And you begin to think about how God blocks so many things. I remember when I was young in the Lord, 
I remember driving down the street and um, was carrying some heavy equipment. And all of a sudden, the brakes went out on the vehicle. And something came over me, and I just said, Jesus. And all of a sudden, the brakes that were not working kicked in. Here I was getting ready to plow out into the middle of the intersection, but someone told me about the power that was in the name of Jesus. There are also testimonies that many of you can probably talk about, about how maybe you saw something or maybe something was headed your direction. But God blocked it just in the nick of time. I can tell you for sure that God has been faithful. Because I am standing here today because of the mercies and grace of God. The scripture declares that it is by his mercy that we're not consumed. But nevertheless, we hear about how God blocks things, brings us out of things. And we hear about how God is this loving God. I myself have two, two children, one boy and one girl. My son's 13 years old. My daughter's 22. And I've got one grandchild. And what I'm willing to do for one child, I'm willing to do for the other one. When it comes down to them, though they're different in age, I have no respect of person when it comes down to them. I can honestly look you in the eye and look them in the eye and tell them I love you both the same. And I think it's possible that I probably can get on one's nerves just like I can get on the other one's nerves. But if you ask them, do you think he cares about it, they probably say he don't care. <laughs> if I see that my child has a need, I have a responsibility to meet that need to the best of my capability, especially if it's a need that God has called me to meet. You've heard people make the statement saying that God is love. And that's not only just a statement, that's fact. That's truth. But the scripture declares that not only is God a spirit, the Bible says that God is love. 
Love's not just an emotion. Love's not an infatuation. But whenever you hear the person or hear one say, I love you, it should never be measured by the human emotion. But if you want to use love as a measuring rod, you must look at God. The Bible says that God is love. And due to the fact that we love him, not just out of choice, our love for him is because he first loved us. We did not enter into a contract agreement and say, you know, I'm going to love you as long as you love me. He didn't do that with us. But he loved us before we knew him. The Bible says that while we were yet in our sins, Jesus died for the ungodly. But when it comes down to the love of God, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Love doesn't give some, love gives all. And through time and throughout history, we have seen a shaving off and a redefining of what love is. Even to the end of time, we see perversion taking on the title of love. But can I tell you that love is not just a title, but love is a spirit. And God is the one that is that spirit. But the scripture tells us things as though God is our identity. For the scripture declares that when God created man, he created him in the image and in the likeness of God. The decision of one man causes him to lose his identity. But the decision of the second man brings about a restoration of that identity. To the place where the scripture declares it says, love God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you do that, you fulfill the law. God is one that takes love seriously. As a matter of fact, he didn't just come and just tell us just to obey a bunch of rules and regulations. But he came and he told us to love him. That doesn't mean that when I say love him, that doesn't mean from a... an emotional only standpoint. For the book of Corinthians declares that love thinks not on the things of itself. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not full 
of what's in it for me, but love is full of what's in it for God. Love. I've heard a person say when I was a child, what is love? Tina Turner made a statement, what's love got to do with it? Love has a lot to do with a lot when it comes down to who love is. The scripture declares things like love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For the Bible says, any man that loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So not only does God, is God love, but God wants who he is to be in us. However, it is possible to have the same God that is a spirit, that is spirit. To be in you and his love be out of you. Now how is it possible to have the spirit of God in us but not have the love of God in us? One would think that if I've got the spirit, that I've got the love. But can I tell you that though the spirit of God is love, and I mean, though love is God, and God is a spirit, we have the responsibility to allow that love to flow from us, flow through us. That means that God puts his spirit on the inside of us, giving us the ability to love him with all of our heart. It is impossible for a person to love God with all of their heart without God dwelling in their heart. And it says, love your neighbor as yourself. So therefore, we have the word of God. We have the scriptures that are put in place to tell us how to govern ourselves, how to actually love each other and what God approves and what God disapproves of. So the scripture says things like, if you see your brother or sister have need, how can you shut up your bowels of compassion that's in you and say that the love of the Father is in you? So that means that it is possible to have the spirit of God in you and have the ability to produce what is in front of, what is needed to be produced in front of you. But if you shut it up, God says that it's because the love of the Father is not in you. So what do you mean, Mother Hurt? That means that in order for the love of the Father to be in us, there must be a love towards the Father in us. That means that we come to a place of denial of self. Jesus made a statement. He said that if you follow me, if any man follow after me, he said, let him first deny himself. 
take up his cross. Didn't follow me. What do you mean? He didn't say just follow me, just take up your cross. But the first act of following God is a denial of self. So then we come to a place where we see God telling us what we must do in order to follow him. He's saying that you haven't even began to love me, not because you just took up a cross. What do you mean? There's something about Christianity where we take up crosses without denial of self. And when the price that needs to be paid comes knocking at the door, it's at that moment that we count up the cost. And if it's going to require the giving of ourself, we would rather throw aside the cross and walk away from the Lord and pick up the cross again when it's more convenient for us. Can I tell you that God's love is not based upon convenience? But your love for God is measured by how you handle the inconveniences of your life. He said, Brother Hurt. Love thinks not on the things of self. Love is not self-preserving. But love will give itself to preserve another. Love will give itself to preserve something else. Can I ask you the question, are you trying to preserve yourself? Are you trying to preserve the people that are dying around you? For the scriptures declare that ye are the salt of the earth. If the earth has lost its, if the salt has lost its savor, or with will the earth be salted? So we understand the things that God demands out of us. He lets us know from the beginning that he's not just taking anything. He's not just accepting anything. He's not receiving just anything. But one thing about God, that God would never require something out of us that he's not willing to put in us. So then you come to the place where if God says that if I see my brother have a need and I shut up my bowels of compassion in me, how can I say the love of the Father is in me? If, 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 if me abstaining from meeting a need questions my love for God, then why is it that child can be shot? Why is it that people can go hungry? Why is it that people can have a need and, it, and they die with it not be met? And if we did that, 
we would question your love for the Father. But when the Father does it, there's no question of it. To the place where now you deal with a person, where an adversary comes in and through the ignorance of mankind, not understanding the fall in the decision of man, man then begins to assume that the destruction that is in the land is because of something that God chose for man. Can I tell you that when man sinned against God, man made a decision to die? Can I tell you that all the pain and all the chaos and all the confusion that you're dealing with personally in your life is not God's fault? There are those that under the sound of my voice tonight that you're battling all kind of sorrow in your life and even to the place where when times get hard, you have a tendency to back away from God and instead of pursuing God in the time of trouble, you back away from your season of prayer and you back away from your devotion to God. Why? Because you treat as though God becomes the enemy because pain and sorrow comes in your world and in your life. And I tell you that Jesus is not the problem. Usually when we do that and when people do that, it is because they are ignoring. That's right. I got an amen over there. That's his way of saying preach, preacher. We have, in a way, we have a way of ignoring our own decisions. The Bible says, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. What are you saying, Brother Hurt? There's some of you in this room that know the pain of reaping what you sowed. But can I tell you something about the love and the mercies of God? Can I tell you that Jesus' sacrifice was not just a reaction to what man did. I'm going to tell you that the Lord loved you so much that not only that he sinned his only begotten son, but from the foundation of your creation, he sent grace. What do you mean, Brother Hurt? Can I talk to somebody in this room that wants to, that is battling within your heart, within your mind about God? 
Because Paul makes the statement saying that he's not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. But today, everyone that says that they have heard the gospel and they know the gospel and they understand the gospel, there are many of those that are not impressed when they hear the gospel. Why? Because you're measuring the love of God and you're measuring the gospel by your own questions. You're filtering everything through your feelings instead of taking responsibility for some of the reason why things are the way that they are in your life. Can I tell you that death that's in the land is not there because of the decision of God. Death is in the land because of the decision of man. Devils do not have the power to produce what you see being produced in this world. It did not come by way of the devil. It did not come by way of God, but it came by way of a decision that man made. There comes a time where we must own up to our own failures. We must own up to our own mistakes. We must quit pointing the finger at somebody else and begin to point the finger at this flesh. But while you're pointing the finger at the flesh, do not forget to point your finger towards the solution to all of your problems. Can I tell you that your problems are not final, but you have a God that is your solution, and your solution is more eternal than your temporary problems. Bible says that the wages of sin it's death. Jesus didn't pay for you to die. If anything, God paid for you not to die. The corruption, the destruction, the confusion, the darkness, it's here because man made a decision to die. You say, well, why didn't God stop? Because when you're made in the image and in the identity and the likeness of God, you have a decision to make. The Bible says, I didn't stop God making his decision. Can I tell you that man's decision did not precede God's decision. God's decision preceded man's decision. If it wasn't so, then your decision would have been final. 
decision of mankind would have been final. Your failure would have been final. Your mistake would have been final. What Adam and Eve did in the garden would have been final. But Jesus said before, God says before, you take a shot at this. I've made my decision. Anybody in this room grateful that God made his decision? Hallelujah. Can I tell you that the beginning or the end isn't determined when we get there. The end is it is determined from the beginning. How many of you in this room have made a mistake? About there's only a few of us that's been privileged not to ever make a mistake. <laughs> no, we've all made mistakes. I remember one time I bought a plow truck. It's going to snow. It snowed the day I bought the plow truck. It didn't snow no more. <laughs> Wife looked at me afterwards, still looks at me. She sees her smile, look at her. Everybody look at her, look at her, look at her, look at her. <laughs> Put her on the spot. She's nervous now. I'm going to take it off. She's like, I told you nothing about that plow truck. No, you didn't. I just, I just didn't feel it. But if I could go back, you know, see, sometimes when you got to have something, you'll settle for some junk. It was a 78 Ford pickup truck with a mire plow. One side of the truck was gray, the other side was blue. <laughs> and you didn't need a key to start it up. You just hop in and it just... <laughs> the mire plow would get stuck, so I'd have to go find a utility pole, and I had to drive up against, you know, push up against the utility pole a little bit. You know, not the concrete part of the pole. Big mistake. And if I could go back and do it all over again, I would not have done it. How many of you men in this room brought a rust bucket? You was like, I, I, could, I, could, I could make it work. I could make it work. I could make it work. How many of you women in this room said, oh, no, I see trouble when I see it? I'm not even getting ready to fool with it. Jesus knew that he, God had a, knew that he had a problem at the beginning. See, the Bible says that he declares the end. How many of you said if I would have known then what I know now, I never would have done it? Well, can I tell you that you're dealing with a God to know, that knows now what you're going to know then? He is aware of the then before he gets started with the now. 
His then does not dictate what the enemy can stop right now. Can I tell you that God is aware of every problem through the process? See, the thing is, is the enemy has magnified the process. But God wants to show you the end now. What do you mean, Brother Hurt? He didn't just get down into the dirt and just say, I'm just going to start playing with some clay and just see what I can make. Maybe that's how you do it. Be like, what you making? I don't know. Come back in a minute. What, what, what's that you drawing? It's, is that a tiger? Yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a tiger now, you know. No, that's not what God was doing. Before he picked up an element, before he spoke one word, before he reached down into the dust of the earth and breathed in anything, he had a plan. Before he spoke one thing out of his mouth, he had a plan that was already established all the way to the end. What do you mean? He doesn't have to figure out how this thing is going to happen. He's already aware of how it's going to happen. Can I tell you that your mistake does not separate your mistake, praise the Lord, will not disrupt what's going to happen in the end. Can I tell you that you're not here? You're not here because of a mistake. You're here because of a plan. And his plan is much greater than your failure. His plan is more greater than your mistake. Your mistake is not final, but his plan will last forever. What do you mean, Brother Hurt? Everybody, everybody say mystery. God wants to show you a mystery. There you go. Say it again. Say it again. That's what I'm talking about. Say it one more time. Come on, man. I need you. That's what wants to show you something that the devil can't see. God wants to show you something that your enemy cannot see. Your adversary cannot understand. Your adversary cannot perceive. I'm going to show you something that the angels don't understand. I'm going to, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? 
you can't die yet. God wants to show you something. You can't give up yet. God wants to show you something. You can't throw in the towel yet. God wants to show you something. You can't walk out of here yet. God wants to show you. It's like this. I wish I had like a measuring rod. But let's say this is the beginning. And let's say this is where you begin. And you just walk through the garden picking tulips. La 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 and all of a sudden, your wife, Eve, or not just one, you have a conversation with the devil. Little serpent in the garden. God's given you all this dominion, but you don't realize what you've got. That doesn't stop him from giving it to you. I said one more time. You got all this dominion, got all this power, got all this authority. You don't realize what you've got. That doesn't stop you from him from giving it to you. But your adversary is aware of what you got. So he comes to you before you realize all of what you've got. He, he speaks to the woman. The woman speaks back. She starts looking. We get in trouble when we stop hearing what God says. And start looking at what God says, stay away from. She said she was saw that the tree was able to make one wise. She took of the tree and she ate it. And she went and she shared it. You gotta be careful what you eat. Because what you eat, I don't care. I don't care how much you love the people that are in your life. You can't help but share what you eat. I've never met a person that tasted sin that didn't want to drag somebody else with them. If you taste of the thing that God says, stay away from. You're going to share it. And if you taste and see that the Lord is good, you're going to share that too. We share what we eat. She shares it with her husband. Her husband eats it. And the Bible says immediately, their eyes were open. Man, 
Could you imagine seeing something without God? How many of you in this room that once you did something that God told you to stay away from, it opened you up to something that you never should have seen? However, there from God started back here, we started right here. Everything was good until this happened. And then when this happened, we're like, oh, my God. I never should have done this. If I could just get this day back. I just never seen this coming. Now my whole world has been destroyed. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He said, I shall not want. It's amazing that when man separated himself from God, God didn't separate himself from man. Why? Because the Bible says that the voice of God starts walking while they're hiding. I'm telling you, there's somebody in this room going to get delivered tonight. There's some chains that are going to break off somebody's life tonight. There's some people right now, you're hiding in the presence of God. You're hiding right here where the voice of God is at. And you're like, I would have given up a long time ago, but I can't shake the voice. The Bible says that the voice of God comes walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam, where are you? The Bible says when he heard the voice, they went and hid themselves. See, when you do the wrong thing, you respond the wrong way. You would have assumed that they would have ran towards God because God is love. But their sin made them run from God. See, making an ungodly decision will cause you to see God in a different light. The Bible says God's voice starts walking and starts calling him. And the next thing you know, Adam comes forth and he's like, Lord, here I am. And the Lord's like, where are you? Where you been? And he's like, I, I, I hid myself. I was naked. And he said, who told you? Who told you this? Everything is not meant for you to know, young person. There's some people in this world that backslide because they feel like they don't know enough. Knowing things that are not meant for you to know is what got us in this problem to begin with. But knowing the one that knows all things is what's going to get us out of this problem.
he can see is destruction. That death, it's beginning in him. He doesn't feel the same way. He's got pain. He's got heartache. Everything seemed like it was beginning fine, but it seems like the closer he gets and the more days that come, the more despair and more pain he deals with. The assumption is, is that his sin is final. The assumption is his death is final. The assumption is is that in this hour his sin his sin is sitting in high places. But God was aware that when he made the angel, he knew what the angel Lucifer was going to do. God was aware that when he made the man, he was aware of what man was going to do. So he puts grace. Why? Because his whole desire is to save that man. There's something in that man that he wants to do with that man. There's something in that soul that he wants to do with that soul. He values that soul so much that he plants something in the foundation. You and I both know that if you plant something, if you plant something, if I plant this tree this month and I plant that tree next month, Eventually, before this tree begins to bring forth its fruit, this tree will begin to grow up, and it will catch it and bring forth this fruit. The Bible says that where sin abounds, we mean, Brother Hurt, you got to understand that the tree of grace, the fruit of grace, it abounds, it lasts longer than the death of your sin. You see him, brother. Adam. The adversary has you in an arena where you can't see what God's doing, but you can hear him. What do you mean by the herd? It's like the voice of God telling Adam. Adam, where are you? What do you mean? Lucifer thought that he had Adam. Because right? the Bible says that Jesus said, I beheld Satan as lightning, casting him before the face of the earth. When, 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 when iniquity was found in the heart of Lucifer, God expelled him from his presence. So he was expecting the same thing. But Lucifer was not aware of what was in the foundation. He might be walking on the foundation, but he can't shake what's in the foundation. Jesus said, upon this rock, 
I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell won't prevail. What do you mean? The serpent was on top of the foundation but couldn't shake it. Couldn't discern it. Couldn't stop it. Why? Because the Bible says, whatsoever man soweth, that shall it also reap. Once it's been sown, it's got to bring forth this fruit. Can I tell you that there's no devil in hell that can stop what's been planted in the earth? There's no sin in your world that can stop the grace of God that's been planted in the earth where sin abounds. Grace does much more abound. It's one thing when man plants a seed of sin, but it's another thing. When God plants a seed of grace, he said the seed of the woman is going to bruise the head of the serpent. And the head of the serpent is going to bruise the seal of the seed of the woman. We send for the hurt. God is not done with you. Where you say sin was the end of you. God's grace says, this is the beginning of a new you. What do you mean? Can I tell you that God is going to do a new work in your life? God's going to put you back together again. God is going to heal you. What do you mean? You're going to say, Brother Hurt, but I made so many mistakes. But it is amazing that through your mistakes, God's plan makes it look like that your mistake was all a part of his plan. But can I tell you that it's the perfect will of God. It's the grace of God that is abounding above your failure. It's abounding above your mistake. It is abounding. He's not going to let the sin of Adam glory above his grace. He's not going to let your sin outdo his mercy. I don't know who I'm talking to in this house tonight, but can I tell you that Jesus is going to give you another chance. Jesus is going to heal you. Jesus is going to deliver you. It's not final. It's not over with. God's going to do a new thing. God's going to purify your heart. God's going to purify your mind. He's going to break the chains. He's going to break the addictions. He's going to break the strongholds. He's going to do it all over again. If he did it for me, he'll do it for you. He'll do it for your children. He'll do it for your grandchildren. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Somebody rejoice. Somebody rejoice. Somebody rejoice. And shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Oh, God. Hallelujah. 
Oh God, you don't know what he's brought me out of. Don't tell me that God won't make a way for you. He made a way for me. Don't tell me that God can't deliver you. He delivered me. Don't tell me that God can't give you a second chance. He gave me a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, twentieth, 30th, a hundred chance. Can I tell you that God is great? not done with you. He might be done with the adversary, but he's not done with you. There might not be any hope for the adversary, but there's hope for you. Somebody needs to lift your hands and tell the Lord thank you. I thought all hope was gone, but there's hope for me. Come on. There's somebody in this room that feels like there's no hope for them. There's somebody in this room that the adversary is warring and fighting with you, saying it's over with. But can I tell you, it's not over with. Can I tell you, God's going to do it again. Can I tell you, God's going to heal you. He's going to restore you. He's going to set you upon a rock. Somebody shout unto God with the voice of triumph. said, sister, go ahead and shout. Go ahead and praise him. Come on, come on. I don't care what you've gone through. I don't care. See, some of you don't know what other people are fighting. Some of you don't know what other people are warring. Some of you don't know. And the devil comes in their room telling them to give up. But the Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a stand. Is there somebody that's grateful for the standard? Is there somebody that's grateful for the spirit of the Lord? Glory to God. Praise his name. Bless his name. Worship his holy name. Why am I happy? Because this is how he brought me out. This is how he brought me out. This is how he saved my soul. This is how he delivered me. This is how he broke the chains of darkness off of me. I'm telling you, if God would do it for you, if God will do it for your neighbor, if God will do it for me, he'll do it for your family. He'll do it for your children. He'll do it for the backslider. It's not over with until God says it's over. (laughs) 
That's it. Lay your hand on somebody right now. Come on, if you've been fighting this thing, if you've been fighting guilt, if you've been fighting condemnation, if you've been battling sin, and you want to be delivered, step out into the hour right now and throw your hands up in the air and God will baptize you in the Holy Ghost. God will break the chains of darkness off of you. God will deliver you. Come on. Right now by the power and the authority that's in the name of Jesus. Come on, in the name of Jesus, not another night. Come on, not another day. Come on, the adversary wants you to be numb. Come on, but you're getting ready to come out tonight. Come on, he's going to break the chains off of you tonight. He's going to break you free tonight. He's going to deliver you tonight. I want everybody in this church that's got the Holy Ghost to get in the Holy Ghost. Come on, this night by the power and the authority that's in the name of Jesus. Strongholds are going to be broken tonight. Come on, high places. They're coming down tonight. Tonight is your night of deliverance. Come on, in the name of Jesus. I need somebody full of the Holy Ghost. It's not afraid to confront the devil that's binding somebody up. I need somebody full of the Holy Ghost. It's not afraid to step in and intercede for the lost. I need somebody in this house that says, God, I'm tired of being sick and tired. Come on, this night by the power and the authority that's in the name of Jesus, I command every devil that's got you bound to release you tonight of the power and the authority that's in the name of Jesus. I command every stronghold, I command every curse to be broken tonight off of your life, this night of the power and the authority that's in the name of Jesus. Come on, there's a breakthrough in this house. Come on, there's a breakthrough in this house. Come on, there's a breakthrough in this house. Come on, that's it in the name of Jesus. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Come on, we're getting ready to go to war. Come on, we're getting ready to go to war. Come on, we're getting ready to go to war. High things are going to come down tonight. Have the power and the authority that's in the name of Jesus. Come on, I declare breakthrough. Come on, release that tonight. Come on, let that devil go tonight. Not gonna have my mind no more. Not gonna have my body no more. Not gonna have my home no more. Not gonna live in my room no more. You're coming out, coming out of my mind, coming out of my heart, coming out of my body tonight. And the 
power and the authority that's in the name of Jesus. Come on, I need you to confront that thing. I want you to take authority over that thing tonight. And the power that's in the name of Jesus. High places, they're coming down, 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 they're coming down. Where sin abound, grace does much more abound. Oh God. Tira mando socorri la baia. Tira la mande beshete beia. Come on in the name of Jesus. Come on if you got sin on your life. You ain't never been baptized in Jesus name. Come on in this time. If you ain't never received the Holy Ghost. Come on it's time to come to this altar and get the power of the Holy Ghost. You came in here powerless, but tonight you're going to leave out of here powerful. You're going to leave out of here full of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Well, there you go. Come on in the name of Jesus. If you are a minister, I want you to get in the Holy Ghost. I want you to be sensitive to God. You obey God. Come on, if you see somebody calling out to God, go pray for them. If you see somebody need the Holy Ghost, go pray for them. You see somebody need to be delivered, go pray for them. Come on, that's it by the power. Come on in the name of Jesus. 
to know that if I don't doubt he'll bring me out, I'll win. Oh, I'll win. 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 No matter what the weapon is, I want you to know that I'll
Come on, somebody worship the Lord. Come on, somebody worship the Lord. Come on, somebody bless his name. Somebody glorify his name. Somebody lift up that name. Come on, in the name of Jesus. 